So last week we started looking at this subject of fear not. Uh, the angel Gabriel comes to four different people in the Christmas narratives and uh, says to them, fear not. And he gives them a different reason not to fear each person. And last week we looked at Zechariah where the angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah and he says, fear not for your prayer has been heard. And so I talked to you last week about um, fear not unanswered prayer. Today I wanted to look at the passage that follows right after that where the angel Gabriel comes um, six months later to the Virgin Mary and says to Mary, fear not. And then he goes on to say, for nothing is impossible with God. So fear not the impossible. I want to start with Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and reading on down um, in your Bibles. In the sixth months, month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, The, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary was an unlikely girl for to become the mother of our Lord Jesus. She was from an unlikely town, Nazareth. But she was also extraordinary in the fact that she had a focus that was always Godward. She had an acceptance of God's will and God's plan for her life, whatever that might be. Mary, our scripture here in Luke tells us, that Joseph was a descendant of David, but other passages, other uh, Gospels tell us that Mary also was a descendant of Israel's greatest king, David. She was from a poor family, but an honorable family. She, as a Jewish girl, would have been trained uh, in the scriptures carefully, and she knew many of the passages of the Old Testament by heart. Every Jewish girl prayed in that culture that they would be the girl that would become the mother of the Messiah. And Mary would have prayed that prayer. But I suspect that as she prayed that prayer that she would have prayed it with the awareness that she was just a poor girl in an insignificant town 
from a humble family with no great expectations that her life was ever going to be any different from anyone else, from her mother's life or that of the other women in her town. In her day, a girl was betrothed when she reached puberty, and it was usually about a year later when she was married, and her parents would arrange the marriage, and she had very little say in it. But in this case, her parents had arranged for Joseph to marry her, and Mary would have been happy with that selection in this case. Mary was at home this year learning how to be a good Jewish wife and mother, and Joseph was learning how to be a good carpenter, hardworking and responsible. And all of a sudden, while Mary is doing all of this normal stuff in preparation for marriage and all of that, an angel shows up, Gabriel shows up, and he surprises Mary. And he says, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. The words, greetings, you who are highly favored, in the Latin is Ave Maria. That is the place where we get the name of that song, Ave Maria. One Greek word expresses the whole phrase that we have in English. You are highly favored. I can't say the Greek word. It's too long. It has a root word with prefix and about six suffixes <laughs> that get all that meaning in there that we have in English. You are highly favored. The theology, what you believe about Mary, hangs on that word and some other scripture texts. But that word in particular is very important to your understanding of who the Virgin Mary is. Catholics believe that this word suggests that Mary was in herself full of grace. That she was full of favor. Protestants believe that this word tells us that Mary received grace, received the favor of God. I believe uh, that the NIV has translated this very well and, uh, in this case and that uh, reflects very well that Mary is a recipient of the grace of God, that she is not um, the source of grace, that she is not the source of all fullness. If you go further in Catholic theology... Um, and I learned a lot of this while I was in Israel. Um, you go further in Catholic theology, they, they believe that uh, Mary herself was sinless and never sinned, and that, um, that that's the reason Jesus could be sinless. Um, we believe that is just because he is the Son of God um, and chose um, to live a life uh, without sin. But anyway, that comes right there, and in this text we have that word, greetings, you who are highly favored. Favor and grace come from the same root word. So you who are highly graced, God's grace has been received and put on you, Mary. And Mary might not have thought she deserved any of it, but here it was being handed to her. So Mary responds to this angel Gabriel in a thoughtful way. 
and she responds in a humble way, and she is challenged to deal with, you know, quite a prophetic announcement. And she has to deal with this perspective that nothing is impossible with God. And so when Gabriel tells her the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow on you, that doesn't really help her answer the question that she asks, how shall this be? How will this happen? Now sometimes we look at that and we, we look at the... The language there and some of our translations might even suggest that she's asking, how can this happen? She's not really asking that question, how can, but how will it happen? That's what she wants to know. She believes it. She just wants to understand how is this even possible that she could be the mother of the Messiah while she's still a virgin? And Gabriel answers it with this. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So he does not answer the how question, but he answers the who question. A lot of times with the impossibilities in our life, it is not how. The question is who. Who are you looking to with the impossibilities? It is not a matter of you and I trying to figure out how things are going to happen. The how is answered in the who. It is God that can make the impossible things happen in our lives. Now, if you were to take the passage from last week and the passage this week and put them side by side and you would begin to look at the life of Zechariah and Mary, you would see quite the contrast. When the, when the angel comes to Zechariah, he comes to a man, but Mary is a woman. When he comes to Zechariah, he, he is an old man, way past childbearing age, and uh, Mary is young. Zechariah is an old married man without any children, and Mary is a virgin, obviously without children. Zechariah, his response to the angel Gabriel is he doubts. He just doesn't believe it. Um, but Mary, she simply believes and asks the question, well, how is this going to happen? <laughs> Zechariah, he wants proof. He says, show me something that can help me believe this. He wants proof of clarification. Mary, on the other hand, Ask for confirmation. She says, show me, tell me how this will happen. Zechariah receives, um, his wife is conceived, conceives with the forerunner of Jesus, and Mary conceives the Messiah. John is born to Zechariah, um, and his name means the gift of God, but Mary um, has Jesus, and his name means Savior, or he saves. So as you look at all of that, and you look at what Gabriel says here, Gabriel says the Holy Spirit will come on you, upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The how question that Mary asks in this passage is answered with the who. Again, 
A lot of times when we go through our lives, we want to answer the question, how? And God wants us to subtly shift the answer to see that it's not how, but it's who. This is a God thing. Mary cooperates, but God does the miracle. Mary could never have made this happen on her own. There wasn't anything she could do as a virgin to give birth. She, she came from a town that nobody really cared about. She was young. She, she just had, you know, she didn't come from a powerful uh, family or any of that. She couldn't make this happen. It was impossible to her. But God could make it happen. And so the, the question is not how, but the answer is in her cooperating with God doing the miracle. So I want to ask the question this morning is, what do we do with the impossibilities in our life. How do we approach the impossible? And the first thing I want to say is don't get stuck being overwhelmed by the impossible. Don't get stuck being overwhelmed by the impossible. John Maxwell um, says that there are a lot of things that are impossible to us. We need to know what is impossible for each one of us. There are some things that are impossible for me that are not impossible for someone else. Um, and on the other hand, sometimes it's just timing. Um, I, I've been trying to learn how to cord a little bit. And I have assumed my whole life, I, I had Colleen Miniman work with me, and she threw up her hands <laughs> years ago. Uh, <laughs> and I've tried and done all kinds of things, and I don't know why, but... Rachel's been able to help me figure some of that out um, in the last couple weeks or months. And um, so I've been trying to figure out something that I kind of just assumed that was just impossible for me to do. Um, some of that's come together. So um, sometimes it's just your perspective. But he says we need to know what is impossible for us, but we don't need to dwell on those things. We need to dwell on the things that are possible for us. Impossible things don't bother people who know what is possible. And I thought, I thought that last line is an incredible line. Impossible things don't bother people who know what is possible. Because if we will focus on what is possible, instead of focusing on what is impossible... Pretty soon, some of those impossibilities, they take care of themselves. But so often, we focus on what is impossible instead of focusing on what is possible. Um, another thing that I want to say this morning is, look for opportunities in the possible, uh, in, in the impossible. Um, Charles Swindoll said, we are all faced with a great series of great opportunities brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. We are all faced with a series of great opportunities that are brilliantly disguised as impossible situations. Now, what does he mean by that? A lot of the things that you and I 
uh, that are real opportunities in our life, they are disguised as impossibilities. Um, th those opportunities that are out there for us, sometimes we miss them just because we see them as impossibilities, so we don't ever approach them. We don't ever do anything with them at all. And when he talks about, I got to thinking about that for a little bit. When he talks about great opportunities being disguised as impossible situations, how are they disguised? Sometimes they're disguised um, just in terms of the way we respond to the situation. Sometimes because, um, you know, I because an opportunity is there, but it's disguised as an impossibility because of my attitude. And so I need to change my attitude. Sometimes um, an, an impossibility is there. There's really an opportunity, but it becomes an impossibility because of my own behavior. Because I'm doing something that turns a, an opportunity into an impossibility. And so sometimes I need to change my behavior so that that impossibility can become an opportunity. And so we have to be aware of those things um, as, as we work on things. But there's all kinds of different ways that opportunities can be disguised as impossibilities. And sometimes we need to open up those impossibilities and see opportunities in them. And then one of the other things that we need to do is face the impossible with a good attitude. Um, Lou Holtz is uh, a, a famous college football coach. Um, he is 80, going to turn 81 January 6th. Lives down in South Carolina. Um, and he's, he's done some incredible things, and I, I've been growing in my appreciation for him. But he's led six different programs to bowl games, and he's the only coach to guide four different programs to the final top 20 rankings, um, you know, in the history of U.S. college football. So he's an incredible coach. But he said, virtually nothing is impossible in this world if you just put your mind to it and maintain a positive attitude. Virtually nothing is impossible. So, you know, when, and I was amazed, I did a little research on him. I, I didn't know that he'd been uh, coached to as many different teams as he had been in his life. And every time he went, he went to a struggling, failing team and turned it around. And almost invariably, one of the key attributes that he turned around was the attitude. To be able to lift the team up and move them forward, along with a lot of responsibility and accountability and all those kind of things. But he said, virtually nothing is impossible in this world if you just put your mind to it and maintain a positive attitude. And then lastly, I want to say that we have to act on the impossible. Mary, in this passage, was incredible in the fact that her attitude was, I am the Lord's servant. I will do whatever you want me to do. And so she acted on the impossible. Um, she became the Lord's servant. Um, we talked in, in uh, Sunday school opening 
Um, Patsy had us look at a passage where it talked about a slave. And Mary uses that same word, and she says, I am the Lord's bondservant. And it was the lowest class of, of servants in Israel. And Mary simply says, I'm a bondservant. I'm a bond slave to the Lord. Whatever you want me to do, God, that I will do. And she was not. I mean, when, when the angel came and told her that she was going to be the mother of Jesus, that was not an easy thing. Can you imagine me in 13? <laughs> and you're going to be pregnant, and the whole community is going to be in an uproar. Um, how did you get that way? Um, casting stones at her, all of that kind of thing that she dealt with at a very young age. And yet Mary's response was, I am the Lord's servant. I will do whatever you want me to do. Faith keeps the eye on God. But fear will paralyze us. And, and for a lot of us, if, if the angel Gabriel had come, you know, every time the angel shows up, you go throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, when angels show up, they have to tell us, do not fear. Because they are so awesome in their holiness. And, and it just, you know, scares people um, when they show up. And the angel had to say to Mary, do not fear. He said that to everyone. Every time an angel showed up, the angel would say, do not fear. Because fear paralyzes people. It keeps us from doing the things that we know we need to do and we don't even do the possible things because we're so worried about the impossible. And so the angel says, do not fear the impossible. Fear will always paralyze us and fear paralyzes Christians. How, how many times have you not shared the gospel or not shared your faith because of fear? Is there any other reason that stands out more than fear why you haven't shared the gospel? Why I haven't shared the gospel? I can't think of any reason outside of fear. Fear always is a, is a tool in the hand of Satan to paralyze God's people. And the angel comes and the angel says, Do not fear. Do not fear. So we need to be people of faith and we need to say, God, I am your servant. I will do whatever you want. We need to be sensitive to God's spirit. We need to know that he is speaking to us, telling us what he wants. Um, and sometimes he calls us to do the impossible. But Mary didn't have to do anything here. She just had to be willing to let God do the impossible that she could not do in her own life. And sometimes that's so true for us. Corey Tamboon said, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Whatever the future holds, whatever you're going to, going into, and you don't know what it's all about, all of that, you can trust it because you know your God. You don't have to be afraid of it. Miguel Cervantes uh, said, in order to attain the impossible, one must attempt the absurd. <laughs> what, what is out there that is crazy, sometimes if we're, 
if we're going to attempt the impossible, sometimes we just have to do some stuff that appears to be crazy to start with. We have to do what is possible for us in order to attain the impossible. There was a group of soldiers um, who were in a combat zone. One of the young soldiers became separated from the group, and he found himself in dense, forested, um, rocky areas, and he was all alone. He could hear, um, the soldier could hear the footsteps of enemy troops in the distance. He knew, it, he, knew he was in danger. Quickly was trying to climb uh, up the hilly terrain, trying to get away from them. And he saw some small darkened caves. And he thought, well, maybe I can hide in one of those caves. And he thought about it, and he, he didn't have much time to consider any other options as the enemy was getting closer. And so without delay, he bent down, he um, wiggled his way into one of those murky caves and got down in the cavity of the cave. And once he got in there, he started to pray. Uh, sighed a, a sigh of relief. And then, he, you know, as he listened to the enemy troops getting closer, uh, and they kept getting louder. He just prayed, God, he said, help me, protect me. Um, and he bowed his head and he said, whatever your will is, oh God, I, I just accept that, I trust you. <coughs> and as, you, and he, as he was sitting there quietly as possible, the soldier um, waited in the cave with a sense of peace, uh, just trusting God. And then he started to look up in the cave and he saw a spider. And the spider went to the mouth of the cave and dropped a web, a strand of silk, and he watched, and then he dropped another one, and he kept at it and kept at it. And, and that spider began to build a large web over the entire opening of the cave. Nearby, the enemy troops kept getting closer and searching one cave after another. And you know, finally, one of the troop members came by that cave and passed the cave in which he was hiding and he, called, he saw the spider web and he said, well, there's no one in here. He said, let's go on. And he mumbled to the troops and they went on past him. And the enemy moved on. The soldier was completely safe and God had made a way of escape for a, through a simple spider's web. Um, that, that web became a wall of protection against the enemy. Proverbs chapter 30, uh, verse 5 says, God is a shield to those who put their trust in him. So today I want to close with these two thoughts. First, from last week, fear not unanswered prayer. Keep praying bold prayers. Just because your prayers have gone on, uh, like Zechariah's prayers for many decades, keep praying bold prayers. But secondly, do not fear the impossible Mary was looking at something. The angel came and told her something that just seemed impossible to her. But what she did is she took responsibility for what was possible on her side. She let God be responsible for the impossible, but she took responsibility for what was possible for her to do. And she worked together with God. And if you will do what is possible on your end and then just trust God to do what is impossible for you and let him handle the impossible stuff, um, 
That's a key to working together with God, just saying, God, I'm your servant. But you just can't sit back and not even do what's responsible for you on the possible end and just give it all to God. He doesn't move unless we're also moving and working with him, cooperating with him. Secondly, we have to keep our focus on God. If we focus on the impossible, our lives will be filled with fear instead of faith. And Mary... Unlike Zechariah, Mary kept her eyes on God. She's, she, you know, she said, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's bond slave. I will serve him and I will keep my eyes on him instead of looking at what is impossible. And then you have to act. You can't just do nothing. You have to act. Um, act with a good attitude and with a heart of a servant. And Mary had that attitude. She had that heart servant and all of that. And, and so that's the challenge for us today. The impossible situations in your life, the impossible situations in my life, how will we approach them? And the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and the angel Gabriel comes to us and the angel says, fear not. For with God, nothing is impossible.